How many of y'all love going to the movies? Yeah. All right. Welcome. My name is Marshall, but I got I to do a quick poll right here, okay? Movie people, you are movie theater people. You're going to the movies and you are spending the money. Raise your hand. Let me see where you are. Okay. All right. We're getting lazy as a generation. It's okay. Um, how many of you are Redbox people? Like you'll go to the grocery store, your local Walgreens and, you know, get the, the disc, right? Yeah, absolutely. My 90s piece right there, okay? Uh, how many of y'all are straight Netflix, Prime? Yeah. You don't have to shout at me, okay? It's not that cool, all right? I love going to the movies, but I am also on a budget, so um, I get limited from time to time. But I cannot tell you how pumped I am to be here during our summer at the movies. I, I love movies. And on top of this, I'm a huge Disney fan, okay? Uh, my grandma lives in Orlando, and so just growing up, I grew up going to Orlando, going to Disney World. I've been to all the parks. I wanna go back to all the parks. It's just, it's, it is the most magical place on earth, okay? People are telling you have a magical day, and you're just like, thank you, <laughs> you know? You just feel great, it's just fun. And so when they said, we need you to talk about Aladdin, I was like, absolutely. Aladdin might be one of my favorite Disney movies, might be the favorite because I love the story. I love the songs. I love uh, the humor in it. I mean, Robin Williams, come on, that dude made that movie. And I got to be honest, I was a little skeptical when I heard they were remaking it because like the original is just, it's just that good. But I had faith in my man, Will Smith. He, he didn't disappoint. It was, it was good. If you hadn't seen it, you should. It's, it's really good. But if you're not a Disney fan and you're up here going, oh my gosh, this is the worst. Sunday ever. He's still talking about Disney and we're five minutes in. Okay. If you're not a Disney fan, or I'm just going to re recap the story of Aladdin. It, the story of Aladdin is about this boy who grows up in uh, this city called Agrabah. All right. And he kind of lives on the streets, homeless. You know, his only friend is, is a monkey named Abu. And uh, pretty much is that he's got to eat to live, got to steal to eat. He'll tell you all about it when he's got the time. One jump. Head, no, yep, just me. That's fine. That's fine. I can, I can own that. All right. But he grows up and uh, he doesn't have much, right? He's, he's, gotta, he's gotta steal food just to survive, okay? And he uh, gets in trouble a lot, but he wants more, okay? He wants, he wants more, he has a great view of the palace. He wants to live in the palace where the Sultan lives. He wants to, uh, he meets the princess, right? He doesn't know she's a princess at the time. It's just this beautiful girl who can sing. And he's like, I love you, I'm gonna marry you. So now he wants to live in the palace. Uh, he wants to marry the princess. And he just has all these dreams and these goals and he just wants to make it happen, but he just doesn't have a way to make it work. Then he meets a shady guy named Jafar. Boo, right, he's the bad guy. Okay. Jafar tells him about this cave, a cave of wonders. Okay. Now here's, here's a picture of the cave of wonders. It's pretty much a massive tiger sandcastle with an earring. And he says, in this cave, there are treasures beyond your wildest imagination. And he says, Aladdin, I'm going to give it to you. All you have to do is get me this little lamp. Then tell him what the lamp is. He just says, just get me this lamp. All right. So look, I could talk about Aladdin all day, but we got to get to Jesus. So Spoiler alert, he goes into the cave of wonders, things get intense, he gets locked in the cave, he rubs the lamp, the genie pops out, gives him three wishes, he becomes a prince, marries a princess, defeats Jafar, happily ever after, great show, you should check out the longer version, okay? But I gotta ask you this question, when it comes to a genie, he got three wishes so he can make his dreams come true. The question is this, what would you wish for? What would you wish for? 
mean, we all have, have thoughts. You know, I think there's some big wishes that some people might, might think of, right? You know, world peace, you know, in poverty, you know, world hunger. We would, you know, do the big things. You know, Texans win a Super Bowl, just the impossible things, you know, that you would go for. Um, it's okay. You can hate me. But listen, I want you to watch this clip of how the genie explains to Aladdin how he needs to make his wish. Y'all check this out. He said, the deal is in the details. Be specific. So, and we're, we're specific people. This isn't a foreign idea to us. I mean, we're very specific when we order food, right? And we get pretty salty. If, if our food order is wrong, we will send it back to the kitchen, right? We know what we want and we know what we can't have and that better not have gluten. We know what we want, okay? We know what kind of car we wanna buy. We're very specific with that. We know what we wanna wear. I mean, all of you made many decisions this morning about what you wanted to wear to church. Okay, we're very specific on how we look or the home that we buy or the person that we wanna date or we wanna marry. We have you know, things that we, we are very specific about. And we can relate to Aladdin on all these things that you know what, we might be in a place in life where we're not satisfied with where we are. Maybe, maybe we wanna go a little further. Maybe we want a little more success. Maybe we need some more money or maybe we want that boat or that house or that status or that job. And what would we wish for? We would just wish for a little more than what I have right now. Or maybe you would wish for something to be taken away, right? Maybe you wish that you weren't in this relationship or that you would, you would wish that this sickness would go away or you would wish that, you know, this, this situation would, would just go away and you could go back in time and make different decisions. But regardless, we, we wish for certain things. And here's, here's the thing. The reality is, is that we don't live in Disney World. And then there is no genie. And if, if you're here today, you've probably heard about God. And when we come to God, that's called prayer. When we talk to God, that's called prayer. And sometimes we get in this idea of prayer. We think that praying is like rubbing a lamp for a genie. And now we're treating God not as the creator of the universe who died for us on the cross, but this genie and his purpose is to get us what we want when we want it. And we think that, well, because I've rubbed this lamp, say, well, I'm, I'm gonna go to church, or I'm gonna give a little, or I'm actually gonna download the Bible app on my phone, or I'm gonna think about joining a small group. Because I've done all this, God, you've, I've got some requests, right? First of all, and then we think, God, you've got to give me what I want when I want it. We think, come on, I'm going to church, God. I'm, I'm giving a little bit. I actually smiled at somebody today. I didn't complain about how cold it was in the main room. God, give me what I need. I need this God. So now God has turned into a genie. And when we don't get what we want, we, we can turn on God. We can say things like, you know what, prayer doesn't work. God must have forgotten about me. Or God's not interested in my life. God doesn't care about my problems. And we, we get a little frustrated. Because I think it's important for us to start this conversation about prayer. Because Jesus had a conversation about it. His disciples asked him about prayer. And I think that maybe even our whole lives we've experienced this frustration with prayer and this idea because, you know, we think what we're praying about, well, you know, it seems like that's God's will. I'm not praying for power and money. I mean, I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for things to be restored here. I mean, it seems like God would honor this. And we get frustrated. I mean, I, I bet I could pull you right here and say, how many of you have, have prayed and you've asked and asked and asked God, and not only did he not answer your prayer, but your situation got worse? Yeah. Or you prayed for somebody and they got worse. 
And then we really get mad at God. And that may be a reason why you've stopped praying or you've stopped coming to church or you've stopped giving a rip about what God cares about. You say, well, he doesn't care about me. I'm here just for a show. But God, here, here's, here's the great news, is that Jesus addresses that frustration. He says, I get it. I understand. I know. And, and what that tells us is that God understands us. He understands our frustration that, that you think, well, there must be something wrong with me because God's not answering my prayer. Jesus is going to tell you there's nothing wrong with you. And even more importantly, there's nothing wrong with God. But I'm going to talk about this frustration because it's a great conversation to have. Because maybe our whole lives we've had this idea of what prayer is and we've been missing it all along. So we're going to be in the book of Luke today. Whether you brought your Bible, you got your Bible app, we're going to be in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 11. I'm going to put it on the screen here in just a second. Now, Luke is uh, one of the gospel writers. He wrote about the life of Jesus. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Luke didn't see the events of Jesus, but he interviewed and researched. Very thorough guy. So this is his account of this topic, this, this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples about prayer. He says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So right off the bat, Jesus is, is praying in a certain place and his disciples say, you know what? We, we have these memorized prayers, okay? We kind of get that, but Jesus, you're different. When you pray, you go off to certain places where nobody can hear you and you are there for hours. What are you possibly talking to God about for hours? I mean, how do you pray? What are you doing? And I get that. It's like, I know some people who can pray for hours and I'm like, I can't track a thought for two minutes. But they're saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, I can teach you how to pray. Which again is encouraging that prayer can be taught. That there is a way that prayer can be so engaging that we can be involved in prayer in a way that we didn't think was possible. And so Jesus starts in and he says it like this. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, if you've been in church at all, this looks familiar, but you're like, I think he left out some things. Like I've, I know the Lord's prayer. I've said it my whole life and he left out your will be done, deliver us from evil. That's kind of a big one, okay? Jesus, I don't want to call you out in front of everybody, but you messed up the prayer. Now, a lot of people will say, well, this is why you can't trust the Bible, because it contradicts itself. And Matthew is where he says the Lord's Prayer, and it has all those other details. And here in Luke, it's different. So obviously, you can't trust the Bible because it's an easy explanation. There are two different occurrences. The one in Matthew, he's giving a whole sermon to a bunch, a bunch of people. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he lays it out. And here his disciples are simply asking him, how do you pray? And Jesus is reminding them of the basics. Tell God he's great. Tell him that it's his deal over my deal and that we need some stuff. That's it. That's all? Yep, tell him he's great. Tell him his, it's his will over mine and that you need some stuff. And that's it, that's it. That's all you gotta do. Okay. And so Jesus could have gone so many different ways when it comes to talking about prayer. He could have talked about anything, but he is specifically, specifically going to address this frustration that we have as humans when we talk to God and we don't feel he's answering our prayers. Because again, we see Aladdin, 
And he's got this genie and his genie has to give him what he wants when he wants it. But that's not how it works with God. And Jesus says, I get that. And I'm gonna go deeper and really show you what it means to pray and have a relationship with God. So remember, he's talking about prayer and he's about to share a parable, okay? And a parable is simply a story that, that's making a point, all right? And so Jesus is about to make a point. He says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. So he starts out with this parable and Jesus always told parables. And you got to think his disciples were like, oh, we just asked you a simple question. Why another story? Just explain it to me like I'm five, okay? Just give me a simple answer. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get you to think about this because it's going to change, change your world. He says, you got this rude friend who shows up at this other friend's house and he's hungry, okay? Well, this friend doesn't have any food. So he's like, okay, Jerry's always got food. I'm going over here. And he starts knocking on the door asking for food. And this is how the guy responds. He says, and suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and get you anything. I mean, it seems like a normal response to me. Because let me tell you why it's so inconvenient. Because back in, in ancient Israel, when you went to bed, everybody was super close together. So if you've been camping and, and you got a lot of people or your family and you're all in one tent. Now, I don't know what that's like because I don't believe in it. But everybody would have been close together. And if you've got a big family, there would have been two rooms, one for the guys, one for the girls. And going to bed would have been ordeal. If you have young children, you know what I'm talking about. Going to bed is tricky. All the guys are getting the young boys ready. All the ladies are getting the young girls ready for bed. You've got to make sure the oil's turned off. You've got to make sure the oven's turned off. Lock the door. Make sure all the lights are off. And then sleep, right? It's, 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 a, it's a process. A painful process is what it is. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Now, again, this is how I relate to this story. I don't know anything about camping because, I mean, it's 2019. I believe in air conditioning and mattresses. It's a great thing, guys. Check it out. It's incredible the age that we live in, okay? But I remember when, we, uh, when I was young, my kids were younger. I had, you know, at one time I had three kids under the age of five, and we were going to Orlando, see Grandma and Mickey. We were going to see Mickey, all right? We, were going to see, we love Grandma, but we're going to see Mickey, Okay. And it takes a long time to get there. It's like a 16-hour drive from here to Orlando. And so we're stopping halfway at a hotel. Now, a hotel is just one room, okay? Normally, we can quarantine our kids off in their rooms and be like, go to sleep, you know? And then it's like, Netflix, finally, adults, right? But the hotel, you can't do that. You're all just in one room, okay? And the sun goes down and it's time to go to bed. And I mean, it's a process. And once we finally get all three kids down, me and Shannon are like sleeping like vampires as to not, you know, disturb anybody. We don't, because we know, listen, if I or Shannon wakes up the kid, that's an act punishable by death, okay? <laughs> Do not wake up those babies. Do not wake up those babies because it ruins the whole night. Then they get up and they're like, oh, let's play. I'm like, shut your mouth, go to sleep. It's 10 p.m. We've got at least five or six more hours of, of sleep time. And so that's, that's the pain that this guy is feeling right now. He's like, man, my kids are in bed. Go away. If I got to get up, I've got I've to get the bread ready. I'm going to disturb my wife, disturb my kids, disturb the uncle that nobody likes. And it's just going to be a process. I don't want to throw the covers off and I don't like you. Don't bother me. But look how Jesus says it goes. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, 
He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity. In other translations, it's called boldness or persistence. Because you are sitting there going, man, I'm not leaving. I'm here. I got friends over and they are hungry. I know you got bread in there. I smelt it the other day. Get up and give me some bread. And Jesus says, you know what? It's not because they're friends that he's going to get up. And they're probably not friends after this story. He says, but it's because of your persistence that he is going to get up and get you that bread. He says, it's, it's because you won't, you won't leave him alone. He's just going to constantly come at you and open the door. And so we think, man, okay, in this parable, I know that I represent somebody. And I know that God represents somebody. Because Jesus told parables all the time to illustrate who we are and who God is. You know, like the prodigal son, we love that one. Like, yes, man, I ran from God. I was rebellious at one point in my life and I just ruined everything. But when I came back to God, he was on the front porch looking for me. He came out and ran and and he hugged me and he threw me a party and gave me a big old ring. And it was awesome. I love that parable. This one's a little more confusing because I think I know who I am. I'm the guy knocking on the door, right? That represents praying. I, I get that. So does that make God the grumpy guy who's inside going, don't bother me? (laughs) Surely that's not Jesus. Surely that's not it. Surely you're not painting God to be this, this grumpy person who's just irritated and frustrated and telling us to go away. Because then the moral of the story is if you just bang on God's door until, you know, he finally gets up and gets you something, you know, not because he loves you, but because you're bugging him to death. Surely that's not God, the God that we serve. You know, and we could try to sugarcoat it, you know, like, well, if you look at it in Greek and you turn it upside down and you turn around and read it like that, then it, but let's take a step back for a second. It's really not that difficult to understand. Now, if you've, you know, been a child recently or you have young children, you understand this concept. You understand what this looks like. My kids love to get donuts on Saturday morning. I love to sleep on Saturday morning. They're like, Dad, can we go to Shipley's? No. Dad, can we go to Shipley's as a family? I mean, it's good family time, Dad. Can we go? No. Dad, we haven't been to Shipley's in so long. I mean, it's been forever. Can we please go to Shipley's? No. Dad, can we please go to Shipley's? Oh my gosh, let's go to Shipley's. Fine. They beat me into submission. Now, my relationship hasn't changed with my kids over that. I don't love them any more or any less because of that situation. It doesn't change my feelings. It doesn't change my relationship with them as a father. They just bug me to death. And then we go to Shipley's and I'm a hero for the day. Or the, uh, let's take the other side. They come and ask me for something. And I say, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a good idea right now. And they're like, okay, dad, thanks anyway, no problem. And I'm just like, Get on your shoes. We're going to the store, right? Your attitude is awesome. They completely changed my mind. Now, how is it that my kids, whether it's bugging me to death or because of their behavior, that I can, they can change my mind? Do you think it's any coincidence when God opens the prayer, he says, Father, what is that in me? What is that in you? that because of your love for your kids, they have the, the power to change your mind. Do you think that might be a reflection of a thumbprint that God has put on us as a parent? Absolutely. And some of you need to hear this truth right here. God is not bothered by your persistence. In fact, he's moved by it. 
If you come to God and you're asking him for the impossible over and over, even if it just seems silly to pray about, but you're coming to God and coming to God and saying, God, I need you. I need you to move. I need you to move. He's not bothered by that. He's honored by that. And so Jesus says, when you pray, knowing that information, tell God he's great. Tell him it's your way over my way. And then this right here, don't stop asking. Don't stop asking. He says, man, don't give that up. Keep going because we have the potential to move the heart of God. Think about that. The God of the universe, we have the potential to move his heart that he'll get up, throw off the covers and get us what we want. That potential is there. So Jesus is going to explain it to us now. He's going to interpret the story. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now there isn't some mystery significance between asking and seeking and knocking. No, Jesus is making three points of emphasis here. He's saying, man, ask, 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 ask until you become obsessed and you're seeking. You're just like, I gotta have it. And until you're, you're seeking and you find that door and you are just banging on the door saying, I know you're in there. Get up. I hear you snoring. Wake up and give me what I need. Do it. Jesus says, come on strong. Absolutely come that way. Because you know what? There's a promise that's, that's partnered with this verse. And it's this right here. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's a great promise that we, can, that we can take from today. That yeah, if we ask, we're gonna get an answer. If we seek, we're gonna find something. And if we knock, a door will be opened. Now, some of you might be here today and you're saying, yeah, you don't know my story. Man, I asked and I asked and nothing. Or I know a girl, she was pretty faithful and she prayed and she got worse. Or man, I heard a story of this guy and he... <laughs> one of the most godly people I know, and nothing. And Jesus says, you know what? I get that. I understand that. It can be frustrating. I had friends, Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus got sick. And they asked me to come help, and he ended up dying. Things don't always go the way that we expect them to go. He said, but you asked me to teach you to pray, and I'm telling you, don't give up until you absolutely have to, because you have the potential to move the heart of God. And then when it does happen, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like God comes in and answers right at the last minute. I've, I've heard so many stories here. I know a lady who prayed for her husband to come back to church for years. And he just was like, no, I'm not doing it. And then one Sunday he knew one of the musicians. He was like, well, I'll come and see my friend play. And, and, and he comes and of course he loved the music and he liked what he heard. So he says, all right, I'll, I'll come back. I'll check it out one more time. Okay, I'll come back again. Next thing you know, he's in a small group. Next thing you know, he's experiencing community. Next thing you know, he's helping us launch our then Palladium campus. Now it's Regal. And now there's some of the biggest influencers on that Regal campus. Because she just did not stop praying. She said, man, my husband has got to hear this truth. And their lives have been changed forever. I've been praying for my brother for years. You know how firstborns are. They're chaotic and rebellious. So I just prayed. I was like, God, I, I know I can't really change his heart. I'm, I'm baby brother. You know, he's not really going to listen to me. 
But God, you've got to grab his attention. You've got to captivate his, his eyes, his heart. And then I remember a couple years ago, he calls me up and he's telling me how excited he was to go, to go to this church. You? Going to church in Nacogdoches? Do they have church there? Right? And we've had conversations about faith and about Jesus and just all these things that I never thought we were going to have. And it's just like, I just look up and say, thank you, God. I had another friend, he and his wife, they prayed to have a baby. Prayed and, and the doctors told them that it was going to be very difficult. And so they made a decision, you know what, we're going to adopt. Beautiful baby girl. But they never stopped praying. God, we want to get pregnant. And then one day it happened. They got pregnant. Not too long into the pregnancy though, miscarriage. Devastating. You just got to think, God, why would you even give them that? Like they're, they're trying to honor you with prayers and then you give them something and just take it away. But they never stop praying. They, I remember seeing him the day he found out and he's in here in this very room worshiping God. And they just kept praying. And guess what? Late last year, they welcomed in a beautiful baby boy, healthy, can cry with the rest of them. <laughs> but God honors that. Here's, here's the great thing, is that, man, when we are so asking and seeking and knocking, you know what we are? We're focused. We are focused on knowing that God is in control and that God is, he's the only one who can move. He's the only one that can make it happen. And we are so focused on that. All of a sudden we realize that God, he might change the world. He might actually give us what we're doing, but he will always change us. He'll always move in the asker, in the seeker, and in the knocker. I mean, you think of, I've talked to so many parents where their kids have just been rebellious and they run off and they run from God and the parents are just praying, praying, praying for them to come back. And in that process, they realize, man, God's working on my heart. God's doing something in me. And God says, stay focused, pray for your kids. But I need to do something in you first because when they do come back, they're not gonna stay if you're still the way you are. So let me work on you. Or the husband who's praying for his wife to come back. He wants his marriage to be healed. And he's praying, God, bring her back. Please just give me another chance, God. God's like, yes, stay focused. Keep praying about that. But I need to make a change in you first so that you can have the most strong marriage that you never thought possible. I need to change you first. And think about so many times we get so drilled in on a prayer request and we're praying and praying and praying and we are so focused and all of a sudden God's working on our heart in the middle of it and we realize I'm praying for the wrong thing. God's like the truth is over here. But guess what? We never would have realized it if we weren't so committed to praying about this. And God's saying, man, absolutely come to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna change your heart's going to be open. Your eyes are going to see in a way that you never thought possible. So think about it. The truth is this. If you pray persistently, God will do something. Sometimes it is. He'll, he'll get up, throw the covers off and give us that bread. Give us exactly what I want. Sometimes once in a while that happens. And when it does, oh man, it's so incredible. We worship God. Sometimes he'll do that but you need to know that every time he will do something in you. Every time he changes your heart. Because there's a promise. He who asks, 
will hear something. If you seek, you will find something. If you knock, a door will be opened. And when we're in that mindset of asking and seeking and knocking, we're admitting our dependence on God. We're admitting that God, if you don't move, it's not gonna happen. God, if you don't move, she can't be healed. God, if you don't move, he's not coming back. God, if you don't provide, it won't happen. God, I need you. And God says, finally, it's exactly what I want. Your dependence, your surrender, that, that you can't do anything outside of me. And so Jesus gives us this truth. He says, you wanna know how to pray? Tell God he's great. Tell him it's his way over your way. And when you pray, don't give up. Keep going. Keep coming to God. Keep coming to God no matter what. Come on strong. Even when heaven is silent, keep coming to God. Even when, just because you haven't found it yet, keep seeking. Just because the door hasn't been opened yet, keep knocking. Because God will honor that prayer. You have the potential to move the heart of God. Man, so what are, you, what are you praying for? What is it in your life that you're praying for? Is it something that has the magnitude to move the heart of God? Something that even if it seems impossible, you still daily come to God because you know that he is the one who can make the change. He is the one who can heal. He's the one who can restore. Is there something that big that'll get God out of bed and to give you that bread? Or is it just about today? Just about tomorrow, you know, God help the food to be good tonight. Is that it? Because let me tell you, if that's it, man, you're missing out. You're missing out on an opportunity to see God change the world, which he might do, but you're definitely missing out on God changing your heart. So when you pray, don't give up. This is what I'm praying for. I've been back on staff for a couple weeks and, and I get to to do group life with Denise Baez and, and I'm kind of focusing on the Regal campus. I'm praying that everybody on this campus and our Regal campus will be involved in a small group. Every single person will be involved in a small group because I know the impact the community has had on my life. I know how it's helped me personally with my relationship with Jesus. I know how it's helped my marriage, how it's helped my parenting. It's, it's done incredible life change for me. And I've only been thinking about it for a couple weeks and I don't know how it's gonna happen, but we got some fun things coming up, but I, I just gotta ask, God, please, everybody, and then some, everybody who calls the bridge their home would be involved in a small group because that community is life changing. And some of y'all are in here looking at me like, well, I'm gonna be the reason that prayer ain't answered, bro. I'm not doing group. That's all right. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep asking. And God's gonna help me seek out your house and I'm gonna knock on the door saying, you need to join a group. You need to, just kidding, I would ring the doorbell. But I'm gonna keep praying because you never know. It can move the heart of God. But I know God's gonna change, change me. So let me ask, what are you passionate about? What are you praying for? We knew what Aladdin wanted. We knew that Aladdin was, he wanted his prince status, his princess to marry, his, his palace. But he had to put his hope in a cave of wonders. We don't, have to, we don't have to put our hope in a cave of wonders. We put our hope in an empty tomb where they laid Jesus 
after he was crucified for us. And then three days later, he walked out so that we might have life, passion, and purpose so that we can have a relationship with God so we can ask and seek and knock over and over and over. And Jesus says, man, I died for you to do that. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. I know it's frustrating at times, but guess what? I'm doing something in you and I might do something in your situation. But regardless, you're gonna change. Man, I died for that. So come on. Because let me tell you, when you ask, you're gonna hear something. And when you seek, you're gonna find something. And when you knock, a door is going to be open. Imagine a church full of that type of prayers, persistent, God-nagging people that we are bugging God saying, God, get my neighbor to church. God, help my neighbor to stop being annoying. You know, God, help, help my small group to go. God, help, help this church just over place. God is going to be moved by that. If we are a church, whether it's here at Regal or at Fulcher, it, we are praying persistently. This church has the potential to move the heart of God. So what are you praying for? Do it passionately. Don't give up and keep knocking until you wake up the neighbors and until God throws off the covers and says, here's your bread. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you.